worship together.
Well, good morning and welcome. I want to ask you to grab your Bibles or uh, uh, however you get into the Word, whether it's a, a book or, you know, a Bible in book form or electronic form. There's three passages I need you to be at. Uh, we need you to be in James chapter 1, in Romans 5, and in 1 Peter 1. And we really, really want you to look at that. We're going to be digging into very deep things. Uh, it's just time for the meat of the Word. And that throughout the rest of this series is all meat. It's just uh, we're going to dig in in a big way. And we want you to be aware of that. Let's pray as we get ready to start. Father, I thank you that God, you are the God of all comfort. In this last hour, we heard um, about some moments that you've just literally put your arms around people and cared for them. And, and God, they, they've, they've experienced what we're talking about today. And, and there's something beautiful about that. Father, you're the God who molds us and you put your hands upon us to do it. And and Lord, you guide us into moments in our life that strengthen us and establish us and confirm us and perfect us. And Lord, I pray we want it. I pray those aren't just words. I pray it's, it's what happens as we open up to you. And so we ask, oh God, our Father, right now to open our eyes, our hearts, our minds. Help us to live the way we're supposed to in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we are getting ready for this series, uh, Bill Hadron and I were talking. And by the way, didn't Bill do a phenomenal job last week when he preached? Uh, it was incredible. Um, and so anyway, Bill and I are talking, and he reminded me of something that's in a book by Francis Chan called Crazy Love, which I highly recommend. And Francis Chan said this. He said, why is it when we get on a plane that what we pray for is a safe and comfortable flight? He said, why do we do that? Why don't we just pray, God, do whatever your will is on this flight? God, I just want your will. Now, now I'll give you an example of that. really happened. Uh, uh, I was on a flight from Nashville, Tennessee to Louisville, Kentucky, where I was going to speak at a conference. And there were thunderstorms that hit that area. I mean, it is raining, like, you know, just pouring rain, lightning flashing. Flights are delayed. We're all sitting in the airport frustrated because we want on the plane. We want it to take off. And so finally they decide there's enough of a window to get us up in the air. And, and we get on these, this plane and it, it taxis off and we're up and we have not been in the air very long, man. And it's just bouncing. Bum, 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 bum. And the captain says, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's going to be a little rougher trip than we anticipated. About a minute or two later, all of a sudden, boom, the plane drops. And, and like, people are screaming. I don't mean a little. I mean, ah, all throughout the plane. People are, now it's bouncing like crazy. He comes on as a flight attendant. Make sure you're buckled in. And, and no one's allowed to get up. And please don't get up for any reason whatsoever. And, and man, we're bouncing along. And I'm watching people getting sick all around me. And, and, and now here's the thing. I, I don't want to pretend. I want to be honest about me. I am, I, I'm not pretending I'm the bravest person ever. Okay? Like, I really am not. Matter of fact, uh, one time Pam and I were laying in bed and I looked at our closet door and it was open that much. <laughs> and I, I like started to freak and I look back now it's open that much, you know? And you know what I did, right? I said, Pam, go check, you know? And, uh, and so... So I'm not telling you I'm the bravest person ever, but I got to be honest, I'm not afraid to die. I have no, I was on that plane. I wasn't afraid at all. I thought, I think I'm going to die. I mean, we all thought we were going to die. Now I, I was fine. I'm going to heaven. I've got a tax bill due. They're not going to get it. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I was okay. And, and I'm looking over and people are freaking. And the guy next to me, he's a young married guy. I found out later is shaking and he's holding on. And I looked at him and I said, are you scared? And he goes, yeah, uh, aren't you? And I said, no. And he goes, why not? Why not? 
a pastor, a Christian. Oh, man, I was in heaven. And uh, I turned to him, and I started sharing Christ with him. I said, you know, I'm not afraid to die because, and I started talking about the Lord and talking about heaven and what Jesus did. He was tuned in. Uh, He's listening to every word. And I looked at him, and I said, would you like to give your life to Christ? He said, yeah, he would. And I pray and led him to the Lord right there. Took him to the bathroom and baptized. No, not that part. Oh, no. You guys, let me ask you. This, that really did happen. Don't you think that's one of the most incredible flights I've ever been on? It was awesome. I mean, I loved it. And I look back. And, and here's the thing. So often in life, God's going to take you on a journey like that. Uh, uh, we, we're going to grab hold of that. We call it the crucible. Now, why are we calling it that? Because when you understand the definition of the word crucible, it has two main meanings. The first is this. It's the meaning of a process where you take something precious like gold or silver and you put it into a crucible and heat it up. And the purpose of heating it up is not to destroy the gold or silver. It's to what? Make it more precious. Because in heating it up, they can get rid of the impurities in it. And, and they can make it even more valuable. So, so the crucible moments of our life are to make us more pure. God purifies us. He shows us who we are. You, when you hit a crucible moment, you start seeing what comes out of you. Now, God loves you anyway. He already knew it was in there. But in those times of testing, we start to see who we really are. And God, in his wisdom, God, who's the God of all comfort, we're going to see that in a minute, he uses that moment to create purity in our life and to help us be exposed to who we really are. The second part of the idea of crucible is the time of testing. Uh, a crucible moment, according to the definitions, when you get tested, when what you believe gets tested, when what you think gets tested, when you and your character gets tested. And God, God loves those moments. The Bible teaches us that, that God has saved us by grace and we do not earn that. And we're not to try to earn it. We're to accept it and open up to it and let God in his love and grace come and cleanse us and love us and adopt us into his life and, and be our father. Are you ready for this though? The Bible clearly teaches that spiritual growth takes effort. You're not going to grow spiritually by accident. You're not going to grow spiritually without having to go through some things. There are two ways we see we can grow spiritually. One, are by practicing the disciplines. We talked about that. The second is by trials and tribulation and suffering. And God uses both of them to help us grow. Without them, we will not grow spiritually. Now, I want you to grab this. What is God's goal? Because I, I hope that not everybody has thought this through, but I would hope that your goal and God's goal for you are the same. You know what God's goal is? Christ-likeness. So he's not into your comfort. God's goal is not to give you the most comfortable, easy life possible. God's goal is that you and I would be like Jesus, that we would be Christ-like. And that involves suffering if we're going to be like Christ. That's just a part of what it means to be a Christian. That's why Jesus in Matthew 16, 24 said this. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must take up his cross and follow me. For he who would seek to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's one of those great things that God wants us to experience. And then think about this. One of my all-time favorite passages of scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you would follow in his steps. Did you catch that? Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example of suffering that you and I would follow in his steps. God had one son without sin, Jesus, none without suffering. 
All of us will suffer. And by the way, it's God's will for you too at times. It's because God loves you, because he cares about you, because he wants this for you. And, and you've probably heard the old illustration somewhere before about a man who was visiting a person who was a goldsmith. And the, the man, he, he was heating up the gold. And as it literally got to the point of bubbling, this gold is bubbling. He very carefully, he, he, he saw all these impurities bubble up and very carefully scraped it off. Because in scraping it off, a little bit of the gold would come too. But he kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. Because the gold becomes more pure. The gold becomes incredibly more valuable when the impurities are removed. And then the man asked this question. He said, how do you know when the gold is ready? And the goldsmith said, when I can look at the gold and clearly see my face. Now, now, as a Christian, think about this. How does God know you're ready? When he looks at you and sees the face of Jesus. The attitudes of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the actions of Jesus. But it's going to take some moments to get there. So, so I want to talk today, and we're going to talk in the coming weeks about how to have victory. This is not a negative series. It's a positive one. It's how to rise up, how to be more than a conqueror, how to experience things like you never have before. And so basically today, we're going to talk about some things that we must do to have the crucible be something that's positive in our life. The first thing we have to do is this. You've got to enjoy it. James chapter 1. Get there if you're not there. James 1. You've got to enjoy it. I was very tempted to change the word enjoy to embrace. But that's not biblical at that point. God actually says you and I should enjoy our trial. We should have joy in the midst of it. And notice what it says in James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, God says, I want you to consider it all joy. Why? Because so much good is coming your way. So many amazing things are going to occur. Is it easy? No. As a matter of fact, it's not easy. I, I put some quotes on your, uh, uh, on your notes that you can look at later on the idea of what's called mastery. There's been a lot of studies done on what it takes to master something. Let me just go ahead and tell you what it is. It's not easy. It's not easy. Those who have mastered anything have had to put incredible effort into it and have had to work hard. And God has said, hard work on you. And you need to join him in it and yet enjoy it and rejoice in it, knowing what's going to happen, knowing the result. Pam and I, I you know, we've been talking about this. We're really working hard to try to get in shape. So we've been eating correctly. We've been exercising every day. Matter of fact, today is our 199th straight day of exercise that we do uh, mostly together. Uh, um, so thanks. Yeah, tomorrow's 200, then I'm done. No, not really. Uh, but, but here's the thing is, is have, have every one of those days been a joy? No. As a matter of fact, the beginning was hard. And then when it quit being hard, guess what we have to do if we're going to progress? Make it harder, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta force yourself and, 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 and to master that you've got to work hard at it. And, and, and you got to do it. Uh, one of the women in our church, I love this woman. She's so incredible. If you looked at her, uh, outwardly, she looks like she's in shape. Uh, uh, but what happened is she got inspired by what Pam and I were sharing. So she went and bought the 30-day shred by Jillian Michaels, got her weights, went home, knew it was a 20-minute workout. She put it on. Five minutes in, she's dying. She's ready to quit. But she told herself, no, I'm going to do it for 30 days. 10 minutes in, her heart is beating so fast she can't stand it. 15 minutes in, she's dizzy and she's dry heaving. Now, outwardly, she looked in good shape. Guess what she didn't have? Endurance. Endurance. This really happened. 
20 minutes in, she literally falls on the ground. She's so dizzy. Her heart's beating so fast. She's sure she's going to die. She's so sure she's going to die. She grabbed her journal and started writing notes to her family. When you find me dead, you know, blame Chuck. And uh, you know what? Now, all these weeks later, it's no big deal. She does it. The endurance has increased. So you know what? She's got to go to the next level. Now, are you ready for this? God looks at you and says, hey, you want to grow? And you're like, yes, Lord, I want to be a great Christian. God goes, okay, get ready. And and you're going, why is this happening? And God goes, you need it. You need it. It creates endurance in you. So consider it all joy, my brethren. When any tough ones, small ones, hard ones, a little bit easier ones, when, when the devastating moment comes, Go, God, you're going to do something in this. And and so it starts by enjoying it. The next thing we need to do, Romans chapter 5, catch this. We need to exult in it. Exult. From the word exaltation. Celebrate it. Rejoice. And and, and I'm going to tell you why in a moment. But look what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom? We have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. Now, that he's talking about is all the gracious, merciful, wonderful things God's poured in our life. And he said, we exalt in grace, that we don't have to earn it. We exalt in his love, that it's unconditional. We exalt in the hope that he gives us. But notice what it goes on to say in verse 3, and not only this. Not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Did you catch that? He says, man, we exalt in tribulation. We exalt in the fact that God trusts us enough in this. The Bible does teach that God will not give you more than you can bear or handle. So you know what? When you get in a situation, you go, God, this hurts so bad. God, this is so hard. Believe it or not, God knows you can handle it. And God is going to give you the strength and he's going to cause this to happen in you. And you and I need to exalt in it and say, God, thank you for this because now I get to do something. Are you ready for this? Now, here's a phrase. I get to suffer to the glory of Christ. I want you to think about that. That's a phrase I don't hear hardly anymore. In the 70s, we talked about it a lot when I was first a Christian. Matter of fact, any of you remember Keith Green? He talked about it a lot. Why do you not hear that anymore? Paul said it. Paul had a glory that he carried on his body, the brand marks of Jesus Christ. Uh, In Acts chapter 5, verse 41, uh, the apostles were told that they were beaten. They were beaten and told that if they ever mentioned the name of Jesus again, that they would be put to death. And it says they went away. Listen to this. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. When you read about the early church fathers, you know what you hear? That they counted it a joy to suffer for Christ. Where has that gone to? Why have we not understood the incredible, we're going to understand where this comes from. It's called a gift of grace that you and I could suffer for the name of Jesus. And, and God's desire is that we would exalt in that. That we would say, yes, God. By the way, I, I don't want to be, I, I, believe, I, I really hope you get, I'm not trying to preach at you. Let's talk about this together. Isn't it the height of pride when something bad happens in my life and I act like, why should that happen to me? When my child gets sick, by the way, Pam and I, when we lost a baby, 
you know what? Many of you have too. Why do I think I'm exempt? Why do I think I'm the one that should never happen to? My family should be so protected. Why do we think that? Why do we act like, well, if I get sick, that's wrong. If I get in an accident, that's wrong. Well, it's pride. And, and why don't I have another attitude? And believe it or not, this is the right one. Where I would say to God, thank you that I feel. Thank you that God, you're the God who's going to cause all things to work together. Even this. Thank you, God, that you're the God of all comfort in a moment like this. By the way, he's not the God of all comfort unless you have got need to be comforted. Thank you, God, that now I know how other people feel. And I can be more in touch with them. Uh, I really believe that, that I have a lot of growing to do. I know that. But I also believe God's done a lot in me. And I think that I am effective in being a pastor today in huge part because of my heartbreaks. Uh, there was a period of time where all of a sudden it felt like everybody in my life was dying. My grandmother, who I love, Granny, my grandfather, my dad, my nephew, Greg, uh, a girl who was one of my closest in ministry we had ever had, Melody Honeycutt. Corey uh, was murdered. Corey Stanfield. I, I just, it just, it was like literally... I, I thought it was nine, but I think it's 12 people I would love with all my heart died within a two-year period of time. And you don't, I mean, I, I, we're grieving. Pam said, God, we, can we take any more? But I want to tell you that, that God, in the midst of it all, every single person, I won't go into every detail of the stories, every one glory has come. But I think I'm better today because I know how to cry with people. I just, the family after the last service told me they lost their 21-year-old son, and I, I know how they feel. I looked at it, and I said, I know how you feel, and she goes, I know you do. I do. I think I'm a better pastor today because my son, Rich, has walked away from the Lord. I know there actually someone walked up and said, oh, you don't even deserve to be a pastor because of that. And I thought, I've never deserved to be a pastor. But I can tell you, all of you who had a child struggle, I know. Man, I pray with you more than ever. And when you come and tell me you're going through that, you know you're on my prayer list. And, and it's the heartbreaks. And God has made me better through it. I think I'm more sensitive. I'm more caring. You ready for this? I really believe I'm more like Jesus would be to people. And, and that's what it's all about. And I exult in that. I exalt that God's taking me and molding me and doing these things in my life. And I know that he does that for you too. He loves you and he cares about you. And so you and I need to exalt in those times and never ever let go of them. You know, uh, uh, there's an old saying that we can either get bitter or we can get better. But when we suffer in the name of Christ, amazing things occur. Uh, turn in your Bibles to First Peter chapter 1 and I want to show you the next thing. But while you're turning there, I, I got to meet, I got to meet the person, the, the two people I'm going to tell you about. And they're my heroes. I, I've talked about them before. Some of you have already heard this because, man, I, I'm amazed at this couple. But what happened is they grew up in Romania during Ceausescu's reign of terror. When, when if you were a Christian, it was more likely than not you would be arrested. You could be tortured. You could be killed. Uh, you would lose everything for Christ. Yet the church in Romania was growing. People grabbed Jesus no matter what. And there was a young girl who uh, was beautiful, gorgeous, I was in love with the Lord. She was out witnessing like crazy. She didn't care what happened. She just trusted in God. And uh, Ceausescu had a group of secret police who had been watching her. And they realized she was engaged to be married. 
So they decided on her wedding day they would arrest her. She was literally standing in the church. They just exchanged vows. And right after the priest had pronounced them husband and wife, the secret police stormed the stage, grabbed her and handcuffed her. And they said to her, they said, you have a choice. If you promise us you'll never speak the name of Jesus again, you can go with your husband. But if not, you're going with us. And she turned and held up her hands, handcuffed together and said, I praise God that he has given me these wedding gifts today. And they drug her away and for the next seven years she was tortured. They beat her. They raped her. They knocked teeth out, never replaced them. They broke bones in her face, this beautiful young girl. They starved her. She got diseased. The worst torture of all, though, is they'd walk in and tell her that her husband had left her. That now he was living with someone else, that he had children. They brought in and showed pictures of it. And uh, after seven years, our government helped arrange her release. When she was walking out of the prison, literally at the gate, was the husband she had married. He had waited for her. He had never, ever been unfaithful. And when they opened the gate and she stepped out, she began to cry. And he said, you're here. And she goes, don't look at me. I'm ugly. And he took his hands in her, his, her face in his hands. And he looked at her and said, you've never been more beautiful to me. Because you bear on your body the brand marks of Jesus Christ. I got to meet that couple. Now they've done right reconstructive work on her. But I want to tell you what, man. She is dynamic. That is amazing. And when you stand in the presence of that couple, you experience the glory of God. You really do. And, and you exult that there are people who are willing to suffer for Christ like that. And I hope you and I would embrace it. That's what God wants us to do. Now, not only should we do it, we need to understand we should enjoy the trial. We should exult in the trial. You ready for this? We need to endure. It's not going to be easy, but you got to endure. You got to hang on. You got to say, I'm not going to let go. And that's what Peter's going to tell us. He's going to say, you and I should endure knowing the trials are necessary and temporary. Now, I want you to know that it's never going to be forever. It's temporary, but it's also necessary. And look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, now, now notice the next phrase. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. No, no, don't miss that. In this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Did you catch that? He said, God's protected you, but you're right now still have trials in your life and they're distressing you. They're up on you. Verse seven, so that, why do we go through that? So the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I later on read it all. But, but notice what he said. He said, you are like gold. And he said, right now, you greatly rejoice even though there's these various trials in your life. Why, why trials in your life? Why? Because they're necessary. They're necessary for you and I to go through it. It really is. You can't grow spiritually without it. God does amazing things through it. He hasn't promised us in a sinful and sick world that we're going to be kept from sin and sickness attacking us. And, and when people sin against you, it hurts. 
And God said it's necessary. Why? Because your faith more precious than gold shines out. And it's, it's God's love for you that he allows this to happen, not his hate. St. Teresa of Avia was called the little sister of prayer. And uh, she wrote some amazing journals, prayer journals that, wow, you just go, she knew the Lord. And uh, she was at a time where she was being persecuted. And according to what she wrote in her journal, she went and sat by a stream and she began to cry and she said, God, my father, why would you let me go through this? And God said, I want you to go through this. And she said, God, why would you want me to go through this? And according to her journal, she said, God spoke to her and said, because you're my friend. And then she wrote, God, that's why you don't have very many friends. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's because he's our friend. Because more than that, he's your dad. He's your dad. And he's more interested in my character and your character than our comfort. He really is. And you won't be like gold if you don't go through this. That's his great desire for you, to experience it. Now, I want you to look at a phrase there. It says, various trials. Do you know what Peter was talking about? I I mean, I want you to think about this. He was talking about the fact that they were now being arrested for their faith and put in prison. Their houses were being seized. Their children were being put to death in front of them. This was the inauguration of the gladiator campaign, where Christians would be annihilated in the arena. That's the various trials he's talking about. And he said, but you're rejoicing with joy inexpressible. You love God more than you ever can imagine. Jesus is more incredible. Why? Because in moments like that, when we turn and enjoy and exalt and endure, that emerges out of that amazing things from God. One of the trials they did, I don't know if you're aware of this, if you were caught worshiping, we couldn't worship in this kind of mass. We would be more in smaller settings. But if they caught you, They would take you to a place. This was something the Romans did at that time. They would literally take the leader of the church. They would stake him in the center. And they would say, is he your leader? And they would say, yes, he is. And then they would bring out a bucket of hungry, starved rats and tie it to his stomach and let the rats eat their way out. And then they would turn and say this. Will you declare Caesar is Lord and put a pinch of salt into the altar? And if you said yes, you could leave. If not, you were next. That's the various trials he's talking about. Could you imagine if all of a sudden we were arrested? They brought us into a room. They said, who's your leader? And I said, Bill Hadorn. <laughs> I'm not dumb. <laughs> Let those rats get full. No. Uh. Those are the very, that's the church was built on this. And by the way, the church became victorious on this. Strong on it. Powerful on it. It shook the world. It took down the Roman dynasty. God knew what he was doing and he knows what he's doing in my life and your life in this church's life when these kind of moments come. And so he wants you to endure knowing they're necessary. Notice the next thing. He wants you to endure knowing they're temporary. Verse uh, chapter five, verse six, first Peter five, do not miss this five. Actually, verse 10 is what I want you to see. We'll start in verse six. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety or worry on him because he cares about you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But you and I resist him firm in your faith. Knowing, no, 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 catch this. Knowing the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren throughout the world. By the way, please don't miss this. There's nothing you've ever gone through that someone else hasn't. You, you know, you need to know that. 
He's these same sufferings. There's other people that, that experience them. And he says, know that. Know that others go through it too. You have a choice though. You can get better or bitter. You can overcome or be overcome. You can have victory or be a victim. You have a choice. But know that other people have gone through it too. And, and many have chosen to enjoy it, to, to rejoice in it, to, to exalt in it. Many have risen up and become stronger and better. And when you get around people like that, you don't miss Christ's likeness in them. You don't miss those moments. And, and then notice what he says now in verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while. Did you catch that? It's not going to be forever. God won't let it go on forever. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, in other words, this is a gracious thing, a grace gift he does, who called you into the eternal glory in Christ. Now notice that it's about the eternal glory, not the moment. He's going to make this a glorious thing, a wonderful thing. That's the calling. While the sufferings are temporary, the glory is eternal. While the suffering is hard in the moment, the joy is everlasting. And he's called you into the glory of Christ. Catch what it says next. Will himself perfect. Will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God himself will put his hands on me in those moments and say, Chuck, I'm about to perfect you. The word perfect literally means to mold into a form. God wants me to be conformed to the image of Christ, not conformed to the image of the world. Trials allow that to happen. He begins to perfect me. It may hurt in the moment, but what comes out is glorious. If I brought out a piece of rough wood and said, hey, uh, I want to turn this into something beautiful. I might have to sand the wood and get rid of the splinters to make it smooth and usable. Now, by the way, if the wood could feel... As it's being sanded, it probably wouldn't enjoy it. But what comes out on the other side is incredible. God does that with you and God does that with me. It's as God himself, don't miss this, personally does that. It's to you personally that he will put his hands upon you and perfect you and confirm you, make you stronger and more willing, uh, worthy of your calling. That he'll strengthen you and make you stronger than ever. You rise up. And he'll establish you. He'll make you stand firm. Established. Not rocked. That's what God wants to do. And it says to him be the glory forever. Or him the dominion forever and ever in Christ Jesus. That's what God does. And he loves it. He loves working that way in our life. Um, one of my, my dearest friends married a beautiful girl. And... Uh, she had a sister and a brother and they came from an incredible Christian family. Her dad and mom, man, what a marriage. They never had a lot of money, but man, they just always were generous and caring and giving and committed to the Lord. And in their case, all their kids were walking with Christ. His dream is that every one of them would go to a Christian university. So he and his wife did without so that could make that happen. And when the youngest son graduated from Biola, they had a big party. Two of his daughters were married and the other son with beautiful girlfriend he would later marry. They're all sitting at this family dinner. And uh, Mr. Johnson um, said, hey, I'm so proud of you kids. I love who you're with. Man, the dreams and prayers we've had for you, you've done great. And he looked at his wife. He said, honey, we've done without a lot for this to happen. And she said, yeah, we have, but it's worth it. He said, well, I think it's time we do something for us. And he pulled out a manila envelope and handed it to her and she opened it up and it was a packet for a cruise. He had booked a cruise for him. She looked and said, honey, no, no, no. We need this money for the grandkids. And the kids jumping going, no, go have fun. Mom, go have fun. Dad, go have fun. It's time for you guys. It was about a week before the cruise that he woke up with a splitting headache. 
It was so severe, he was crying. And they rushed him to the hospital, and they found out he had a brain tumor, but not just a brain tumor, it was very aggressive. In one year, he had planned to retire. In one year, he planned he would travel more. But he'd never come out of that hospital. It wasn't a um, quick thing. His death was pretty painful, and it was difficult for the family to watch. He never, ever gave up his joy. He never quit talking about what mattered. He never quit being loving, no matter how much he wanted to cry and did cry. And uh, my friend uh, and his wife, along with all the family, was there the night they finally said it's over and they, they declared that he had died. They're standing there and, and the doctor said it's time to say goodbye. Well, not just the family. The room was filled with hospital personnel who just were there because they fall in love with this man. And uh, my friend felt a, a grab on his arm and he looked over and a nurse was crying. She said, before you leave, could we talk? He said, let's just do it now. And they went out and sat down in the waiting area. And uh, she said, Jack was, was an incredible man. And no matter how much we tried to care for him, he cared for us. He wanted to know everybody. He always made us laugh. She said, he, he helped me with my marriage. I mean, we were struggling. And because of him and what he shared, we're, we're, we're starting to get it. I think we're going to make it. She said, I want what he has. Well, he looked and said, well, you know what that is? It's Jesus. She said, I know. He told me. And he said, well, here's how you accept Christ. And he shared with her. And they prayed together right there in that waiting room. Now, I want to ask you to think about this. When Jack's standing before the Lord, which he already has done. And by the way, in heaven, there's no yesterday or tomorrow. So everything's already happened. And when Jack's standing there and God looks at him and says, Jack, you made it. You're here, my child. And Jack says, yeah. And, and the Lord says, but look who else is here too. And he turns and that nurse is standing there and she cries and says, thank you. And by the way, he ended up, because of him, five of the hospital employees, a doctor and some techs and, and some nurses gave their lives to Christ. Do you think Jack's going to say, I would have taken the cruise instead? No. The glory of that moment, the glory of what this man has done is outweighing any temporary pain. That's what God does. And when we begin to see it, all of a sudden it changes everything. I mean, everything about our lives. We can't be beaten. We can't lose. We can't have our joy taken away. Are we going to cry in pain sometimes? Yeah. But we know that the God of all comfort comes and comforts us as a dad, as a father. And he shows us things about ourselves and says it can change and you can be better. And he shows us things about situations saying this can be used to affect people more than you know. And when you let it happen and you give yourself to him, what comes out of it literally is eternal glory. And that's why when you live like this with God, it's the greatest life you could ever live. And I want to say today, I hope you'd say this with me. Let's say to God, whatever your will is. God, not my will, but your will be done. I'm in your hands. I want it with you. I'm ready to be who I should be. Melt me, mold me, help me, and then use me. I want it, God. And I'm ready to say to you, I want it with everything I have. And if you're a Christian who's here today, and you're not living this vivacious revived, powerful, on-fire life with God, come take it. If you need to recommit your life, do it. 
If maybe you got angry at God, I want to tell you he can handle it and he loves you, but it's time to let it go. Start to trust him. Just put yourself in his hands. If you're here today and you've been afraid to be completely committed, why not now? Come experience life like you can't imagine. And if you're here today and and you've never really truly embraced embraced the Lord and come into a relationship with him that's real. And by the way, it's real and intimate where he himself is working with you. I'm going to tell you today, I hope you do. By the way, if you're brand new, we talk about four levels that you can go through. Level one is where you might be here today asking the question. Is it real? Is the Bible real? Is Jesus real? Why would this be different? And by the way, I think you caught how different it is because it's real. And, and level one's asking those questions and we're glad you're here. But level two is when you finally say yes to God. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock and if anyone would open up to me, I'll come in to him. And you, what you do is you actually say, come in. Lord, I want to give myself to you. We call this conversion. It's where you are born again, where you enter this relationship. Peter said in First Peter, when you're born again and you become a new creation and forgiven and cleansed and, and God adopts you as his child and you begin to live this life. Level three is where you start connecting to God in deep, wonderful ways, very intimate ways. And those are those disciplines. And level four is not a maturity level. It's an attitude. It's where you say to him, not my will, but your will be done. Father, I am ready. I pray, let your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life on this earth, however you want. And that's what, and when you live this life, it's the greatest life you could ever live. And what do you need to do to enter it? You just need to do the same thing. Say, I want in. And then he takes you and he works in you and he works with you. Today, God wants it for you more than you know. And, and I want to ask you right now, if you need to, would you say yes to him? He would never do anything that in the end isn't way, way better. Incredibly great for you. If you're struggling right now, just give it to him. We're going to go to a time of prayer in the midst of it. If you are ready... If you need to, if you want to, I'm going to ask you to commit to live your life with him. Let's pray. Oh, our heavenly father, how you love us. And how God, you care about us and you work with us and in us very personally, very one-on-one. You've done it in my life over and over. You're doing it now. And God, there's not a man or a woman, a guy or a girl in this room that you, you look, don't love, you love them. Lord, there's not one here you don't love. And I pray today that you would just call all of us who are part of your family. Lord, I pray we all would say, God, take me. Help me be like Jesus. Help me have that be who I am. Let me be conformed to the image of Christ. And Father, I pray right now that your spirit would move upon us. And God, I pray right now your spirit would start to touch anybody who needs to either commit or recommit their life to you. I pray, oh Lord God, that they're stirring upon them now, that they know this is their moment for the Christian that needs to finally open up and say, I want a first love. I want revival in my heart. I want to be on fire. I don't want to hold back. God, I pray for them right now. And I pray, Lord, as they're almost quivering inside, they know this is their moment. They know it's going to mean amazing things. And God, they're going to know you better and better. You're going to grow them. So God, for the Christian who's saying that today, I thank you ahead of time. And Father, for the person that needs to come to you. They may not even understand everything, God, but I pray they would now want to open up. I pray, Lord, you're touching them. Lord, for the man who's sitting here and just thinks this isn't for me because he doesn't think he deserves it. God, you love him. And I pray right now he knows that he just needs to open up. 
for the person, Lord, is embarrassed over something they did recently, God, I pray they would let go of the guilt and let you start to use this and change them. For the woman who's here is thinking she did something that she never thought she would do. God, I pray right now she would just open her heart to you because you know who she really could be. And she needs to now be set free. For the person, Lord, who's here today, but boy, last night was horrible. They let it get too far. God, I pray for them. Lord, I pray for anybody right now who needs to come to know you. For the person asking questions, and now they're about to get the answer you. I pray, Lord, you'd stir in touch. And I know they know right now it's their moment, God, and I pray they're going to say yes. I'm going to ask that we keep praying, and I really mean this. If you're a part of our church family, would you start to pray? Really pray for people who need to make this decision. Who need to God, they need to be set free. Start to pray for them. And right now, I'm going to lead a prayer. And today, if you want to commit your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you, would you pray the prayer with me? And what that means, are you ready just to say, I want to be yours and start to live with him and know him? Are you ready to pray that prayer and tell him, just whisper it? And today, for those of you who need to recommit, I'm going to ask you to pray with prayer. See, God, I'm in. So if you're ready to say yes to God, you need to pray this prayer with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurt and my pain, to free me from my fears, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this. And I want you. Say it again. I want you. So I open up my heart to you. Please fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. And help me, Lord. Help me to be who you created me to be. And help me live the life I've been meant to live. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, praise God. Praise God if you prayed that prayer.